welcome back to Every Movie Ever. I am your host, Michael Swick, and as always, I am joined by Chad Whitney. Yes, it is I, Chad Whitney, and I am here with my weekly reminder that by now you should have watched Rubber, and those of you who have watched Rubber multiple times, good on you. But if not, you should watch Rubber. And if you have seen Rubber, tweet at us at EME Podcast. Uh, I will see it, and I'll pass it along to Chad. Or Chad watches our Instagram account. Our, our Instagram account is Every Movie Ever Podcast. Podcast, or, correct. Uh, Every Movie Ever Podcast. So if you want to tell him you've seen Rubber, uh, send him a message over on Instagram, and he'll definitely see it before I do. Because I don't like Instagram. He doesn't like Twitter. It's a perfect partnership. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could even like. You don't even have to send words. You could just send like a funny picture or like your favorite tire. Yeah, <laughs> your favorite tire. Like, oh, <laughs> uh, this this was a good year. Like, this is a good year. <laughs> uh, yeah, Michelin's. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. Maybe surprise me. I don't. I, I apparently only know a couple of tire makers. So maybe show me a new tire. Yeah, you you might find a new favorite. I'm sure there's someone out there. There's probably a YouTube. No, there is a YouTube community probably dedicated to, like, uh, tire <laughs> review videos. People just being like, yeah, I like how round this is. I don't know what you look for in a tire. I played it, the Cars um, video game, like, the very first movie that came out. And there's a point where you can customize Lightning McQueen to have white wall tires. For whatever reason, I really got into white wall tires after that. So, send me white wall tires. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right, we are here. Um, I'm changing it up a little bit from what I said uh, on the last episode. Uh, we are going to cover both 1978 and 1666 movies in this episode. I realized as I was watching them that they are so interconnected at a certain point, there would be no reason for us to like really separate these two movies uh, into their own episodes uh, because the conversation is going to flow hopefully flow a certain way where we're just going to jump probably from the second one into the third one. And we'll probably go back and forth a little bit as this movie or this trilogy. I don't know about you, Chad, but I really respected how they tied things together, how they referenced back to things. And it seemed like they were, at least when I was watching it with with, with, uh, my girlfriend that like, anytime we had a question of like, where we were like, Oh, so that means in the last movie, when this happened, and then they, the movie itself would be like, hold on, don't worry, we're going to take care of that. You know, like it would immediately like explain a reference or like a like an Easter egg that it may have sent, mm-hmm. uh, which was really well done. Um, if you, if you, So as yeah. you can tell, I really like the trilogy. I just finished the third <laughs> one uh, before we recorded. Chad, you you watched these like the the first week they were out, like all three of them, correct? Yeah, um, when um each each week once they all came three out. was out, yeah, yeah, once all three were out, I went through that week and just went Monday, Wednesday, Friday and watched them. Um, and yeah, that's why I, like last episode I mentioned it, like I think I gave it a five, but I was trying not to take like part two and three into account, but it's just so hard with how connected they are. But what they did do a really good job with was connecting it. <laughs> like, it's it's very well written, put together to make sure there were weren't really any loose ends. Yeah, they 
tied most loose ends. They paid off pretty much everything. And at the end, I just liked where all the characters just ended up in terms of... Yeah. Uh, Chad, you mentioned before recording uh, your thoughts on uh, how many people died and how uh, unnecessary some of them kind of felt in the end. Uh, if you want yeah. to elaborate a little bit on that, because uh, again, we're, we're a spoiler podcast. So uh, if, if you're listening now and this is your first episode and you've decided to pick the second movie in a trilogy to be your, to be your first episode. Um, uh, how is this sorry. guy? How are these guys podcasts? Uh, I think I'll check out their fear street part too. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> do you want to elaborate a little bit on how you felt about that? Cause I, you, you yeah. were starting to make a point and then I had to cut you off because I'm like, we're not recording yet. Like save <laughs> anything for the show. It's just like, I felt like so many people, died in the movie not in like a way where you're like it's unnecessary necessary like it's it's not necessarily unnecessary it's just that the people that died all died at the expense of like main characters and it's decisions that main characters could have made or actions they could have taken that totally would have not prevented everybody from dying but it would have been a, a lot fewer deaths and a lot I don't want to say a lot fewer significant deaths because they were all just shady siders and sunny veilers. Or is that right? Yeah. Yeah. But, sunny you know. shaders, sunny veilers. <laughs> sunny, sunny shade siders. Yeah, no, there was a ton of carnage into it. Though I will say the, the deaths that happened in the first movie affected me more than any of the deaths that happened in the second and third movie. Yeah. Uh, well, the second movie is quite a bloodbath. So it's not as much of an emotional connection to the people who died in the second one. First one, the ones we lost kind of are the whole reason that they succeeded. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they, they set the plan. They stuck with them. They really could have just had old girl die um, when she chose to leave, but nope, they saved her. And then, their life was taken in the end all because she just had to save i cannot remember old girl's name huh? so it was dina and then she had to save sam uh sam yeah and here my my thoughts have kind of changed a little bit on that because i was totally with you like when kate and simon died i was pissed because i didn't give a shit about sam and to a lesser extent uh, even though i cared about dina a little bit i didn't care as much about dina as i cared about those other characters and mm -hmm. despite Dina being the main character in the first movie, I was just like, I don't really like I like her, but I don't like her, uh, her love for Sam because they didn't do like any character work for Sam. I feel in the first movie and even though Sam doesn't get a ton of character work in the second or third one, by the time we get to the third movie, I'm kind of on board of the Dina Sam uh, romance. I don't know why. I, I think it's. I mean, we'll get to it. We'll go through movies uh, individually, but like, it isn't until the third movie that I'm like, you know what? I really like Dina and Sam. Am I okay with the fact that Kate and Simon had to die in the first movie? No, but it's a little bit more acceptable because yeah, yeah. we spent time with the characters. I think that's what I told you. I think it took me like three movies to not be upset with Dina. I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, like I, I fuck with you. You and Sam, you both have, 
I think it's the connection that they clearly show they have that like through whatever it was, they were going to be, um, you know, they made it very clear that they were going to fight for each other. Yeah. Yeah. At any cost. (laughs) (laughs) Insert body count. The only thing that I think they kind of dropped the ball with, but I don't even think they did drop the ball is I really like Josh in the first movie. Um, and he was okay in the second movie in the little bits, but then by the third movie, uh, I feel like he doesn't play a big enough role until like the last like 20 minutes, but I guess everyone that's in the current 1994 timeline, they take a little bit lesser role except for Dina and Sam. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think at that point, I don't know. We'll probably get into it then too, but I think Josh was a bit withdrawn like he in the third After movie the he was finally yeah exactly I think he was just a bit shocked and just he knew he still was here and had to be there but he just wasn't as about it anymore it's more so he was stuck in it as opposed to something he was fascinated with yeah yeah it just seemed like his role became lessened uh by the end but then he does play a big role in it but i don't know it's like a pacing thing uh, with how they yeah. treated his character that it just it it lessens as they go more in like Dina's the main character running with Dina uh, sort of thing. Uh, but let's let, let's start with uh, the second movie. Uh, the second yeah. movie, uh, if you want to give us the description, I'm interested to know what the descriptions are uh, for the second movie uh, and yes. the third movie. Fear Street Part Two, 1978. Uh, Ivy 2021. This one's also rated R, and it's about an hour 50 minutes. In the cursed town of Shadyside, a killer's murderer spree. Oh, my bad. A killer's murder spree terrorizes Camp Nightwing and turns a summer of fun into a gruesome fight for survival. This one stars Sadie Sink, Emily Rudd, and Ryan Simpkins, according to the flicks. Yeah, uh, so obviously this one is taking place in 1978. Uh, It keeps with the tradition of the first, or that tradition, uh, though I guess it is tradition now that we have three movies to call call back for, where it's a really good soundtrack in terms of like capturing the time that they're in. Yeah, But it is a 70s sleepaway summer camp thing. So this goes full on slasher movie uh, for it. Uh, you know, call back to Friday the 13th Friday and the 13th. Halloween uh, movies. Or the Camp uh, Crystal Lake. And, um, yeah, and Friday the 13th. Yeah. Um, and then I think Sleepaway Camp is a horror movie too. I think that's that's the name of that one. But yeah, uh, it's exactly what you would expect from a movie set in that era. And that's playing mm-hmm. homage to those movies in terms of it's horny teenagers that usually we'll see their demise after they show that they're horny uh, for the most part, which is just, you know, that, that movie trope. Uh, if you see two characters having sex, uh, they're going to die in the next scene. They're going to die. Like that's the rule. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that is the rule since horror movies existed. And this goes with that tradition. The main characters in this are the Berman sisters and, one of the sisters is the person that called at the end of the first movie to warn 
Dina that it's not over yet. And that is the way they also found out that they needed to kill Sam temporarily to stop the the curse from or from Sam being hunted. But obviously Sam yeah. gets possessed. So they go to see C. Berman um, and C. Berman tells the story of her experience with the curse with Sarah F- uh, Fear. And that's how we end up in 78 with being introduced to C. Berman and her sister. Um, I was very confused at first because <clears throat> I didn't know which Berman sister was the one because <laughs> uh, they both yeah. have a C name and they'll be called C. Berman from time to time. Uh, but it's pretty yeah, easy to really figure out with that. Uh, after like, I think I was probably confused like the first like 10 minutes because they did say C. Berman a lot. And then it, you realize like, oh, OK, it's it's the redhead one because in the in current 1994 she's kind of redhead so like okay that that works out yeah um, and so c berman i think we mentioned in the last episode is played by um jillian jacobs from uh community um and the netflix show love uh, yeah oh and just yeah so they're mostly referring to um the berman sisters as ziggy and cindy yes um Ziggy's this kind of like I guess you could say rough around the edges she she doesn't really like the authorities of the camp and just generally seems like one of those kids that's like yo I know I I know how to survive I'm I'm going through my own shit I don't need some camp counselor telling me what to do Um, her sister on the other hand Cindy is a camp counselor and she seems like kind of a goody two shoe he, yeah, we learned that they're both shady siders. Sorry, which is, what, what does goody two-shoe mean? I don't know. I just know. said it, and I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? I, I don't know. It's one of those terms that I guess it's just been around so long that we just we just accept. But yeah, I have no <laughs> idea what the origin is. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, yeah, all right. We don't have to dwell on that, but <clears throat> it just crossed my mind, and I was like, huh. If Hey. Tweet at us if you know the answer. Like, I looked it up, and, like, I see it was a children's story pl- published in 1765, but I'm not going to look any further than that because I don't want yeah. to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's probably racist origins down there somewhere. Most likely there's going to be some, and I don't <laughs> want to click the link to find out, and then I'm going to get lost in a loop of just, like, why why, do, why is this a thing we still say? Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the... the the main thing with the sisters is they are both shady ciders. I don't know why that's hard for me to say right it's now. It's such a tongue twister for no yeah. real reason. Which, if you remember from the first one, they discover that shady ciders are the poor side of town. And they're also the ones that are like cursed to always have a serial killer. And that serial killer will just kill people from that town for the most part. And yeah. That, again, is something that will pay off, as they explain in the second or third movie. But the youngest sister, Ziggy, she's basically accepted. Like, hey, we're the poor people in the town. We're the ones cursed with all this, like, horrible trauma. There's no escaping it. And her sister, Sydney, is basically trying to just, like, fake it till you make it sort of thing. Where she's hanging out with the rich, preppy people. She's dressing differently. I, they they make reference that like she saved up a lot like all of her money just so she can have one nice polo shirt 
to have at camp to fit in with them. And they basically have been divided because of that. Sydney's trying to get away from it all. And Ziggy, the younger one, has just accepted her fate because, you know, it just seems hard to get out of that sort of situation. And that is their big rift. Uh, and basically, Sydney is kind of is shit in terms of like Ziggy's going through a lot of shit. Like she's picked on and going through a bunch of shit. And Sydney's just more of this like blaming Ziggy for it. I mean, she's pretty antagonistic, too. Uh yeah. But still, yeah, for sure. It's like a situation where Ziggy was for sure being bullied by other people in the camp and even like, I think, a camp counselor or two. And I don't know what they did to her, but they like bruised her, earned her using a lighter. And so she obviously fought back and they were discussing kicking her out. But they were like, we can't kick her out because then people were going to ask like, where she get this burn mark from, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when it was clearly a situation like that, and Ziggy has even made mention that, um, that their, their life at home, their parent situation isn't too good right now. And that Cindy seems to be ignoring that. (laughs) And Cindy's still just on her ass about this. Like, yo, (laughs) she didn't do anything. She's literally the victim here. Yeah. And this is when we get, introduced to the young sheriff good he's the one who like saves ziggy he definitely saves her without actually getting the other people in trouble sort of thing because like we we see some traumatic shit in the beginning in terms of like they are gonna like kill ziggy or get really close to killing ziggy and good saves her but not in like a way you would really be cool with him if that makes sense yeah it was more so just like a way of like i noticed this happening and i'm with my other homies who are technically in the wrong here but i don't feel comfortable with where this is going he was the one that actually came up with the idea of like we can't kick her out because she's got the burn but at the same time he definitely was i don't know it seemed like he was going to let that shit happen until he thought of it he he de-escalated, but didn't resolve anything. If anything, he just delayed the yeah. inevitable that was going to break down between all of them. But it in the beginning, it seems like, oh, he might have done that, you know, because that's the only way he could get out of that situation. But then as the movie progresses and we get to the third movie, we figure out that it's like, no, he just did that most likely to protect himself. Yeah. And that is his main objective despite any action he might have in this movie uh and by the time you get to the third one you look back at the second movie and the first movie and everything kind of makes sense with how his character is portrayed and reacts to it because we had a lot of problems with sheriff good in the first movie yeah Uh, he just wasn't believing anything that was happening like how he was handling going about his police work (laughs) with murders happening just was weird Yeah, and just, like, his interactions uh, with Martin uh, were super questionable. And Mm -hmm. just his, how he kind of believed Dina, but then also didn't really put any effort into it. And then he didn't believe her at times. It all makes sense, which is what the thing with this trilogy 
does so well is everything for the most part makes sense uh, by the time yeah. you get the credits. But I don't know if we have to spend a crazy amount of time breaking down the second movie because it is nah. a pretty straightforward slasher film. Straight uh, up slasher. Like they do all their due diligence of like the, the 13th inspired and you know, they're nailing all the Friday the 13th inspired rules of like, if you have sex, you're probably going to die. If you are at this camp and shit, really, if you're at this camp, you're probably going to die. And, and if you are from shady side, you were definitely <laughs> like more likely going to die. Yeah. Uh, so pretty, pretty much the big arc of this movie is that they have this competition that, it's pretty much capture the flag or it's called color war, which I feel like is a, it's pretty is a weird sketch, name. It's, it's a but it's weird also name. 1978. Yeah, so I guess, uh, <laughs> but super, it was red versus blue too. So yeah, it was like, yeah. they were crimping made, in blood and hard. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's some things in it. I'm just like, this is weird, but it's a 70s. Tell so. his oldest time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some odd stuff with that, but I was, but as you said, it's the seventies, you know, or 78. It's like, yeah, okay. That that's totally some stupid shit. That would be normal. Oh, and yeah, but this kind of sets the scene for, you know, nighttime, basically playing tag, um, perfect scene for a slasher murder because everybody's who knows what's a game, who doesn't. Um, everybody's separated, everybody's hiding or trying to do whatever. And the movie actually gets pretty... You don't see, like, any heads get chopped off or anything like that. But you know, again, same as, like, the first movie where they just show about five or six chops with an axe or something where they definitely make it sink in without showing you extremely graphic images. No, dude, there's some... They chop someone's head off and you so, totally to see it. What they do though is yeah no the in the in the bathroom, that dude gets his head chopped clean off. Oh yeah, um, you're right. Uh, oh yeah, and it goes like straight into the toilet. Yeah. Or whatever. So like, what they do would what, what probably throw you threw you off is if they were basically adults or like teens that are like eighteen or older, they got straight up hacked and slashed. Okay. But anytime they actually killed children, which children do die in this movie. Uh, they are done off camera. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> dude was basically Anakin in this movie. He, dude, he was just going and killing younglings. Like multiple times, he just goes into a cabin and the kids are just like waiting. And then it's just like, oh, like he's yo, gonna camp kill counselor, whatever what was his fucking name? Tommy. <laughs> oh, Tommy? Tommy, yeah. Kim counselor Tommy, what's up? Oh, shit. Time for y'all to die. Yeah. Like, no, Tommy, no. <laughs> so so Tommy basically gets possessed uh by the witch and he turns into the serial killer for 78. Tommy being a Berman yeah. boyfriend. And yeah. We see him in the first movie. He's the one that's wearing the red flannel jacket walking around with the axe that wears a burlap sack over his head. Um mm -hmm. he is just going to town uh right. in this movie. Uh again really gory uh at times but they do like pull back just a little I, bit yeah you're right it's a whole scene where they walk into like that outhouse and the floor is just covered with blood and guts mm -hmm. you're, you're right yeah um <laughs> but the, but the main thing is uh 
because uh, C. Berman bled on basically the grave of Sarah Fear, she is now being hunted and must be killed, and a serial killer will do whatever he can to take her uh, take her out. Um, mm-hmm. This ultimately brings the sisters together, but they have to figure out what the hell is going on. Uh, they're being helped throughout the movie by Sheriff Good as a you know teenage ser- Sheriff Good, and he's seen all this shit, but he is in denial the entire time, and it's very baffling if you haven't seen the third movie. In the, if you're just yeah. you know in the it moment, it seems like it's he's baffling. in shock and just like trying to follow some sort of procedure, but at the same time be a leader. Because mm-hmm. it's expected of him. They plant the seed of like that's his future is being sheriff. It's in the family history. And you know, so it's him jumping into accepting that role. But then yeah, like Rick said, you go on, you finish watching these movies and you're like, Whoa. Okay. You you were just you're acting differently. Yeah, you're you're a sociopath psycho uh person uh which uh, i don't know why we're walking around the spoilers for it uh yeah we're gonna spoil it anyways but basically good is the bad the big bad (laughs) in this movie uh in the end so seeing him in the second movie not knowing that is very interesting and it's well done uh because it leaves you questioning stuff but at the same time answers questions from the first movie while still giving you more <laughs> questions to, to be honest, because you know, you see in the second, in the first movie, he doesn't believe any of this stuff is happening. And then you the can second see movie, like a look of recognition on his face in the first movies, but he is actively denying it and being like, nah, that's not possible. And then in the second movie, it's like, what the fuck? He witnessed all this shit. And he's still saying in 1994 that none of this is real, but he's literally witnessing it and fighting against it uh so it it, it like makes everything confusing and then that's when you start to get suspicion of just like okay not everything is right with this guy and uh, they they, you know the the movie works that out works through that and it's really great uh they do a really good job of of planning him to be a a typical cop in a movie that you're just like bro help to then seeing him as a child and acknowledging that he doesn't even know if he wants the future that's placed in front of him that is like his family destiny which you think is just being a cop not a a sociopath but Mm -hmm. then you get the reveal of like who he really is in the third and it really like it brings that shit all together (laughs) of like wow all the signs were like right in front of me, but you painted it so well that I, I was actually on your side. You fooled me. Yeah. Like it, 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 again, it's so well done. Like I see why you were struggling, uh, like not wanting to tip your hat, uh, the last episode in terms of like, I want to give it a five. Cause you're looking at it as like a whole, Yeah, you know? And I was looking at it as an individual movie cause I haven't seen the rest at that point. Uh, but the way everything ties together, is just so well done. Uh, but, uh, specifically what's going on in this movie is they discover, uh, Ziggy, uh, and her sister that this, the, 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 the fear curse will be broken 
if they reunite Seraphir's hand with the rest of her body and like put it all to rest. And that is what yep. they're trying to do uh, throughout the movie. It's kind of hilarious though. Like they found, they, they didn't know where her body was, but they found her hand and her hand turned out to just be under the outhouse. So it's just being shat on <laughs> by <Yeah. laughs> kids for decades, um, which just totally is like the type of move the people in this Shit town when you get for decades <laughs> <laughs> no but like it makes sense when we get to like the third movie to find out like who built that town because mm-hmm. where her hands buried is a very significant location for sarah fear in general so knowing that the town then built like a camp outhouse over that significant plot of land or whatever kind of shows you like what they thought of that, you know, Sarah fear and also uh, what the people that built the town, they knew what they were doing, especially when you see the third movie, it's like everything is uh, done for a reason. Um, yeah. It made me wonder like how much, how much do the people in shady side or Sunnyvale even know about the lore? How much is like, obviously the kids see it as legend, but do the, do the adults actually know what's up? Kind of like it, where the adults may or may not know what's up. I, I didn't read the book, but I watched the movies. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah, I wonder. But you get if what it, I mean? Like, yeah, I wonder do they if it's, know? Yeah, because it seems like in It, uh, if you remember specifically with It, they all forgot about yeah. the shit that happened when they were a kid. And it, 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 they basically, like, their brains buried it. So I wonder if there is a little bit of that, like, it logic in terms of, like, when you're a kid, you're more susceptible to it. Uh, it's real. And then as you get older, it just becomes a faint memory. And then eventually it's not there. I totally I didn't think of that, but that totally makes sense because no one really bats an eyelash. They're just like, oh, this town is just, you know, it's just cursed. But like no one reacts to it. It's just like an acceptance yeah, uh, and even, even I was I would say even the mayor doesn't seem like he really even knows, even though he's a part of the um, good family. of the family. Yeah, it seems like he's not the one that's chosen to carry on that lineage, so he might not even be aware of it's going on. Yeah, that was my question uh, at the end of the, the the trilogy. Is just like I wonder if it just goes to the eldest good that they have to uphold this stuff that we'll get into uh, when we talk about the third movie, um, that maybe the younger goods just don't know, um, which I would love to know. And I might have to read the Fear Street books if I get into it. Uh, yeah, I, know I, was, I actually Googled to see which ones these are. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't do a good job of finding it. Got no info for you guys. Yeah. But... And I'm also curious because apparently Fear Street had a TV show pilot in the 90s that I, I'm trying to dig up just to see what that looks like. Cause this, I I'm happy with this being a trilogy, uh, but I wonder how this would have been like as a TV show. <laughs> Cause it probably would have been pretty good with this creative team. Um, let's get into the most controversial part of the second movie. So we get to the climax and the sisters fail. They get tracked down by the, serial killer tommy and then a resurrected serial killer 
uh, like we saw in the, the first movie where they just can pu- they can manifest and summon like old serial killers from previous uh, periods and both of them are being stabbed side by side and it's actually fucking brutal because it just keeps going yeah they just those keep... extended like scenes of like stabbings really yeah. hit hard and it's really sad because it's both sisters side by side why this is happening uh but what i want to say it's controversial is the whole reason they're hearing this story is because c berman survived so somehow which i i wanted to ask you because i don't know how this works i, I, thought, didn't Google I it. thought it was the older sister That's no the, yeah no 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 okay so uh both of them is getting are are getting stabbed one by a knife repeatedly which is uh ziggy and the other one is getting hit with an axe in the chest um they are able good is able to resuscitate ziggy with cpr (laughs) Um, just like in the first one where like somehow they're able to bring back <laughs> Sam with EpiPens and CPR after taking drugs and being drowned. In this yeah. one, Ziggy has been stabbed multiple times in the stomach and chest and somehow CPR brings her back to life. How? It is the power of Officer Good's love. Uh, apparently. It pushed it over the edge. Um, the CPR, the extra oomph it needed. I was just so baffled by that, but it's a movie, so it's just like, okay, whatever. We gotta I mean, get here somehow. But like, that's not possible, right? I'm not crazy. I don't think so. Nah. Unless she, I mean, nah. If she got stabbed in the lungs or something and like blood went into her lungs, maybe CPR would help. I don't think so. But, would, oh, temporarily, maybe she'd come back, but she'd immediately yeah. just go right back I, to it. At the end of the movie, it seemed like she was not in any pain at all for what it's worth. She seemed fine. They somehow, (laughs) somehow, I don't think that's how it works. 1978 paramedics were able to just like stabilize her on the spot to where she was able to like talk in the gurney and like is fully aware of everything happening. Um, And they were able to hold it together after like they get to her with multiple stab wounds going through whatever she's going through and seeing her sister would just, chest obliterated by these these axe swings yeah they brought her back nah not at all Um, she would have died my um i I found out my girlfriend told me that um medical mis malpractice is like the third leading case or cause of death in america mm -hmm. i'm like wow Hmm. i did not know that so no i don't believe that they would have saved her I, they couldn't have. I, it, it just like it just it was such a weird thing. It almost took me out of the movie. Luckily, the movie basically seventy eight ends, and then we go back to nineteen ninety four, um, and they're Dina and Josh are reacting to this story. Berman Ziggy is saying, "See, you can't do anything," but then they tell her, "We found the hand, and we know where the body." Or no, we um. We know where the, we know body, where the is, body is, yeah. And you know where the hand is. They can end the curse. Um, yeah, because I guess they they held like when they actually I don't know if we find this out until it's the third movie about why the body was in a different area. Um, because it got moved. But yeah, I think we do moved. find that out in the third movie. Yeah, 
uh, it does get moved uh, because we find it out in the third movie. Um, so the hand is uh, now in the mall. So it's like buried under a tree, which apparently they they built the mall around, which is super which fucked just- up. Because that tree is what they hate is famously known for the tree that they hung Sarah Fry with, and they built yeah. a mall and shrine out of this tree. Yep, and that's where our whole like, where our whole adventure with Fear Street began is at that mall. So, and like how you said, it's so intentional that they put that outhouse over it. The, the founders of this town are straight up assholes. Dude, they put a uh, outhouse over her hand, or over her, yeah, over her hand originally, and then they built a mall around the tree that they hang a hunter at. Oh man, yeah, I can't wait to get into the third movie. Yeah, well, we're about to, (laughs) uh, (laughs) because Uh, yeah, the cliffhanger that the second movie ends on is great. Uh, There, Dina is digging up the the body of. Of Sarah uh, Fear, and she's putting the hand together, and she's like, "This is going to end the curse." But as she's doing it, she bleeds just a little on the the body, which now mm-hmm. means she's going to be hunted. But it also transforms or tr- it basically sends her to Sarah Fry's time. And now, yeah, it's one of them is, things you just kind of got to go with the flow of it all. Yeah, and now she is Sarah Fry, and then that's where the movie ends and we pick up in the third movie to where now Dina is in the body of Sarah Fry. It gets a little choppy in terms of like, did did she take over? Because basically Sarah Fry has a brother named Henry, uh, who's now played by Josh, you know, like pretty much everybody in the first movie and some people from the second movie pop up in, new characters yes so you you just gotta roll with it yep and they all have 1666 kind of english irish scottish accents some of them are good some of them are bad some Uh, of them come and go some of them come and go for sure (laughs) none Uh, of them were Halle Berry playing storm so no no none of them none of them were were that um so (laughs) accents come and go but it Everyone does okay uh, in their role. Yeah. Um, none some, of them broke me away from the movie. Which one? Which one? I'm curious. No, I said none of them. None oh, of them okay, okay. I away. thought you said one of them, and I'm like, oh, was it Tommy? It was Tommy, right? <laughs> no, <Nah, it was, laughs> if anybody, the most notable for me was Dina. It was like she definitely was in and out with her accent. I'm like, yeah, I can live with this. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so Dina is now in the body of Sarah Fry, or she is Sarah Fry. It's kind of confusing, just a little bit. Um, She, yeah, she, I don't know. She's she's witnessing everything that's happening, uh, because when she comes out of 1666, she's like, I know everything that happened. Uh, but yeah. from a movie perspective as a viewer, you're just like, so is she, is she in there? She, can she control any of this? Definitely the biggest plot hole in the whole series of like why did you i mean i guess by the end of the movie i can maybe understand some logic to why she went back in the time but 
you know, it was one of those things that I was just like, not going to try to figure that out. I'm just going <laughs> to go with it. Well, no, because it's one of those things where it's just like, wait, and then everyone looks like the people that were here. Are, is, is this how far back all these families go? So and, this and is, it, I mean, but the familiar faces would lend it to being a hallucination that she's seeing and it's just using her memories. But she doesn't have the, the memories of who the 78 people were. So that, you know, doesn't really help that. Yeah. But you roll with it just because the movie hasn't let us, the trilogy hasn't let us down so far. So you roll with it and it does what it needs to do. And it explains the tragedy of Sarah Fear. Yeah. Of... And they kind, of, they kind of trick you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Keep going. I was going to say they trick you like at the end of part two. Is because when they switch her to Sarah, Sarah's like hanging over the water bucket. It looks like she's about to cut her hand off, which is the legend that she cursed the town by cutting her own hand off. But then she doesn't. She just goes and has fun with her homies, I think it was. Yeah. 1666 shit. Whatever's fun to them then. It could be work. Work seemed like fun. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have much <laughs> options. Uh, there, there, there wasn't too much going on. Uh, but we get very much like a Salem witch trial town, very religious, like villager settlement. Uh, mm-hmm. So everyone's just paranoid about witchcraft. Um, Sarah, and anything that's just like not Puritan. Yeah. Um, and that's the big thing is so Sarah is in love with Heather, who is the pastor's daughter. So. What my logic behind that was is they're part of the reason um, Sarah Fear was drawn to Dina and Sam is because of the parallels between their lives. In terms... uh, and they both had bled on the thing, so maybe their parallels then crossed. Yeah, because if you uh... remember in the first movie, Dina's nose bleeds when she drives by the grave. When she's on the bus, her nose oh, yeah. bleeds. Um, and Heather just bleeds because she got into a car accident, but Dina bled for, as far as we know, no particular reason. Now, Dina uh, bleeding is technically what caused her to throw the thing. She probably would have done it anyway, but yeah, but that makes it seem like there's a connection. Uh, yeah, they do say they make mention that blood, blood falls when you're near her, like in the rhyme or something. Okay. But it only seemed to happen with Sam and um, and Dina. Yeah. So there, there might be some parallel why they have basically the same life. Uh, because, like, obviously, it's 1666. So the town and Heather's family are completely against the idea that she's in love with a woman. And that is kind of the vibe we get in 1994 with Dina and Sam with Sam's mom, just like absolutely hating Dina. Yeah. Uh, so we imagine, or at least for me, that seemed like a parallel to why they might've were picked or chosen uh, for yeah, all this no. to happen or just fate in general. That makes sense. And as we find out um, later that the curse probably could have selected them in that sense. It, it probably could have connected with them for the overarching goal of the curse. Yeah, totally. Um, so this movie, the first, what was it like? It was like, 
all move all three movies are about two hours so the first hour of this yeah. maybe first oh, yeah, hour so I do the description for three. Oh yeah yeah sorry we totally skipped the description yeah do the description for the third movie all right so in fear street part three sixteen sixty six um again ivy 2021 and they're sticking to rated r this one gets about four minutes longer with an hour 54 minutes um thrust back to 1666 dina learns the truth about sarah fear back in 1994 the friends fight for their lives and shady side's future uh, this one stars kiana madeira ashley zuckerman and jillian jacobs yeah so i would say this movie is what 60 percent 19 or 60 percent 1664 and 40% 1994. Yep. And I was or very 66. I didn't think they were going back to 94. Like for whatever reason, I just thought it was going to be solved. Like they, whatever happens in 1666 happens and there may be like slight resolution. I was very pleased that it was like a whole second half to the movie, but it was yeah. only like 40%. Yeah. When it said part 1994, part two, I was so worried that we were going to get a second set of sequels or something that we'd have to wait for. Uh, but then it's like, no, there's still like 40 minutes left in the runtime. Cool. Um, but yeah, the first hour, 20 minutes of this is just dedicated to 1666 to the Sarah fear story. And it's a pretty compelling one, uh, in terms of like the arc that the characters go through um yeah. and it's it it just it drew me, like I, the 1666 story had m- me clenching my butt cheeks like yo i am so concerned for these people <laughs> are you gonna be okay and that wasn't even the whole like the main story you're just getting the background of it obviously we know sarah dies but just getting the visual of the true story after they've laid down the lore for us for two movies it was like oh no what's going to happen? Is this going to lead to that? Is this going to lead to that? I, yeah. I, I was worried that this would be the weakest of the movies just because I don't really care about the time period. Did uh, and it turned out to be as good <laughs> as the other two movies, uh, which was good. I don't even think there's one movie that's better than the other. I think it's pretty steady. Consistent. I'd uh, say that 1666 is one of the better witch movies I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, the se- 1978, they did a great job with the slasher, like camp camp slasher. And then the first movie was kind of like a scream, Wes Craven scream type movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, really good. I, I fucks with these movies very hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The so the Sarah Fear story is basically uh the something's happened to the town where everything's going wrong and like food food is like spoiling, uh people are getting sick, animals are dying, and the pastor has gone crazy and killed twelve children by ripping their eyes out. Yeah, popping um, their eyes out right in the church pews. Yep. Uh, which is crazy. Uh, Presumably visual. while they were alive. Like, they didn't seem to be any... Um... Do you think he drugged them? They didn't really look like they struggled. No, yeah. I The only thing I can think of is people back then were stupid. 
So <laughs> they True. they were probably, all just in one big cult. Yeah, so they were probably like not knowing what the pastor is doing, but because the pastor has a certain amount of authority in the village, they probably were like, we have to listen. Yeah, uh, that's true. So that that's at least the logic I put around it. Not the most kind logic, uh, but it would kind of make sense based on how the whole town reacted. So yeah. the pastor has killed 12 children, The uh, and now he's dead. Um, food is spoiling, animals are dying, so the village comes to the most logical conclusion, blame Which the lesbians. Is... Oh, yeah. <laughs> like... Obviously, like, one, they're got, or they're deathly scared of witches, but then yeah. there's lesbians in towns. Uh, so they must be the witches. 1666, yeah. gotta be witches. Gotta Wait. be. <laughs> Which, like, is just, like, super fucked up. But at the same time, this is just like, of course they're gonna pick them. Um, they're all dumb people from 1666. They're gonna be afraid of anything different. <laughs> An example of dumb shit from 1666. Presumably, like obviously, none of us were there, but um, <laughs> yeah. they're at this like shindig, and and uh, what's her name? Rebecca? Is that who Sam's character is in this movie? Rebecca. Heather, uh, I believe. Heather, there we go. So Heather gets hit on by this drunk dude at the party, and he's like practically about to rape her, yo. And she just basically gives him a witty line like, yo, your dick isn't even big enough to handle it, something like that. And everybody in town just laughs at that embarrassment and shit, and I'm like, yo, he was about to rape her, yo. Like, <laughs> I thought you guys were like, christian and pure or whatever right yeah no it's, <laughs> it's super weird doing? and he this dude literally is walking around with his boner uh, his pants down show. and shit no his pants weren't down he was just in full erect mode uh, oh yeah and they that. just like left him out of the the forest that they were having their party at <laughs> i uh, thought for sure he was gonna be the one to snitch like yeah those, those lesbians he basically he basically did that he was the one that uh basically turned on them and started them to go after them so like the town has a meeting after all the like murder stuff happens and they're like there's a darkness in the town what the darkness what is the darkness and then boner dude gets up and is just like i know exactly what it is um and he basically said that they seduced him and he or he followed them into the forest because they were naked and they were making love with the devil yeah um and then that immediately got all the stupid village people to be like oh my god that's definitive proof he just said (laughs) i've heard no lies here yeah this man seems like a scientist yeah um so then the whole town is like okay let's kill him and we have solomon good who at this point we think is on sarah's side um he's the only one being like no this is stupid (laughs) like it's not them Something else is happening with the town. The person who murdered the 12 children probably is the thing that we should be fearing, but he's dead, so let's just all go home, (laughs) basically. Uh, But the village is riled up, and they want to kill some witches, so that's when they capture Heather, and they chased Sarah. The majority run of the 1666 uh, is her on the run. And she just keeps finding herself in, like, these catacombs and shit. Like, she falls into where the 
the witch shit underground was happening, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being trapped underground, she follows the catacombs and basically finds the wall of rock where, um, you know, where the names are carved into the wall of who shall be the, the murderer. Yeah. Was it? It was only at that time. It, w- it was just like one murderer, though, wasn't it? Was, no, it was, but the it was like the, the pastor. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was his name. Uh, but those catacombs are all connected to the Good House, to Solomon Good, the person we thought was on her side. And it turns out he has made a deal with the devil that will give him power over the town uh, in any form, and in exchange he will give them one name that the devil can possess to do whatever the devil wants, which is murder. murder. Um, and surprisingly I, no rape and stuff like that, but for yeah. this movie, I'm very glad we stuck to just murder. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that too. Cause I hate watching movies that like have any bit of hints of that. But if you tell me the devil's in somebody's body, I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's doing all the worst things. It, to, or to, he, she, whatever the fuck the devil is. It. It's basically, it. it's the clown from from it. Um, <laughs> so, really, like, I there's two criticisms I have with this portion. Uh, not of the movie, uh, but of just, like, the characters themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. Both the devil and the good, Solomon Good, have really low stakes for this exchange. Um, I feel like neither one of them is really getting much out of this deal. <laughs> like, if you think about it, like Solomon Good, I'm guessing he thought small because it's 1666. So he wasn't thinking world domination because the world was flat at that point. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and uh, he's just a Puritan man trying to trying to make his way and survive. <laughs> so Solomon Good being like, um. I just want to be in charge of this village forever. Um, seems really low stakes uh, to where if I was like sheriff good, I'd be like, so you're telling me the devil just wants to possess one human. So we're going through all this shit forever just so we can be like the mayor of the suburb. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. Like that seems really low stake for them, but I guess they just have to deal with the fact that Solomon good thought the world was way smaller than it actually was. Uh, and only yeah. made a deal for the village but also that the devil would waste his time <laughs> to be like name someone like i apparently the devil could just possess anybody at any time anybody as long as he's <laughs> given permission from these instructions from the, from the, a, a third party I don't not know even who made that book like it just seems so low stakes to where like the devil <laughs> has all this power and he's just like i can't do it unless you you you, you write a name in a notebook <laughs> unless you death yeah. note this i can't I can't do it, um, but I'll give you anything you want in the world. And it's like, oh, I want to be in charge of Rosemont, Illinois. Like, it's just like, what? He's just waiting on his, like, hail throne, just waiting. For, I hope they write a name this week. Yeah. Uh, I'd really love to wanna... possess somebody. <laughs> I just can't until they do. Until they write, write this name down. I can't do it. And then hands are tied. <laughs> this suburban ass man is just like, oh, I can't wait to do that so I can uh, design the mall. <laughs> like, <laughs> and no uh, devil, 
where do you do all this killing? Oh, some shitty place called Shady Side. Yeah, and I can only <laughs> kill a specific set of people. Whatever. Yeah. Can't really kill everybody. I gotta make sure I'm only killing. Shady I gotta make Side. sure they're poor. Like that's yeah. my first criteria. Um, if they have blood that I, I like has a certain scent, then I can do it too. Very but limited. I can't really tell if it's the real person because yeah. you know blood is on everything. Like, and I won't improve. It's clearly them if it's blood. Yeah, over and it's <laughs> over centuries. I will not improve. Yeah, I will not. I will not change. Technology will change, but I will not. I will, not I will have no ambition for Calvin Klein you know, expanding Cologne. upon this. <laughs> they invented Calvin Klein cologne. Well, I didn't know that existed when I made this deal. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, I, my image of Shadyside and Sunnyvale is just that um, M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Village. Uh, how they yeah, just, yeah. They're just like lost in it's basically away from society. Yeah. Uh, so that was my only criticism of the movie is just my disappointment in the devil and the good family. <laughs> just like how low quite, their, their stakes were. Quite honestly, 1666 is a lot of just bringing things together and just accepting like, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. But, realistically, I mean, Solomon like Good. Like you said, it's 16. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, as I was gonna say, realistically, Solomon Good. All he had to do to take over the village was just not get syphilis. <laughs> but instead, he just he made a deal with the devil. Like, it's kind of yes, silly. <laughs> he was like beloved in town. Like he was the man. And he was like, nah, I I think I need a better life. Yeah. I don't really know what a better life means. But this Puritan shit ain't it. Yeah. I'm going to the devil. <laughs> <laughs> he did a full 180. Yeah. It was, just, it was just like, all he had to do is not get syphilis or whatever other disease would have been around back then. And he would have got the same goal. But no. Yeah, basically. He's like, no, nah, I can't take that chance. Man, in 1666, you I mean, I guess maybe. But I don't think you even really need to be possessed by the devil to go on like a killing spree. Just no, kind of no. seems like something they did back then. It would, yeah, like there was no internet, there was no like way to like keep track of any of that stuff to happen. Uh, but yeah. no, so- Solomon was just like, you know what, I just gotta make sure future generations, even though he didn't have a family because his like wife and kids <laughs> I just had died, make sure so. my kids aren't Puritans, <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't have them anymore at this point because they're dead. So it's just like, dude, what are you doing with this deal? Um, but yeah, that, so that's the whole thing. Uh, we see Solomon chopper handoff, which is, oh, fucking brutal. I hate seeing like, that was and, wild. It was like, yeah. didn't he like hook her in the hand and then just like pull her hand off or some shit? Uh, basically like she had, she tried to block him with her arm and then he just used that to like slice it with the, like the, the farming knife. And then yeah. he then just twisted and snapped it just clean off after that so gross i always Uh, wonder like i don't know how slitting risk works work and stuff like that but when people lose hands in a forceful manner in movies i just wonder like 
why doesn't that kill them? Is it just because they get it? And I did see in the movie she gets it wrapped up and is that really enough to stop that amount of blood from coming out? No, not at all. Uh, but movies just let you do it. The only movie that explained it properly was Star Wars because it just like immediately like burnt it uh, when it did it. <laughs> Cauterized um, it or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So that is basically what happened. Um, the hand is there. Uh, and then uh, we find out why the body got moved is because uh, Sarah fired. Oh, so basically... Solomon Good then turns in Sarah Fi- uh, Fear and they hang her on the tree. Uh, he basically is just like, you know what? She's the witch because no one can find out that I'm actually the witch or wizard. I don't know how that works. Um, the warlock or something. The warlock. Um, <laughs> no one can find that out. So I'm going to disaccuse her. And because everyone is stupid and thinks she's a witch already, they're not going to believe anything she says. So as uh, uh, fear is being hung, she basically curses uh, the the good family and says, like, as long as they're around, she will be there casting a shadow over them. And we Until actually see people know what they did or yes. something. And we actually see the actual uh, Sarah fear uh, yep. at the end, which or at the end of this section of the movie. Uh, uh, doing the curse, which I think was well done, actually seen. Yeah, it made her. me feel better about the whole thing. Yeah, uh, it let us know that, like, she was just seen through her eyes, so we actually saw her. But we find out that uh, the the uh, Seraphir's friends, they moved her body to give her a proper burial, and that's why her body was moved in the second movie, in the, uh, the first movie or whatever. Yeah. Uh, which, again, this movie... Tying everything together, like with a nice bow. Mm-hmm. If Sarah Fear was um, watching and casting a shadow, maybe this was she was just playing the long game until she could get that right couple that she connected with and could bring them there. Yeah, like maybe. Like, what they're... are the odds of crashing right in that exact spot? Exactly. Maybe. maybe she knew that was all going to happen or the fact that their love for each other was so strong that no matter what was thrown at them, they would have to figure it out could be mm-hmm. the connection, which is why I think, uh, because they had Dina and S- Sam playing the actresses playing, uh, Sarah and Heather. I, it made me connect better with Dina and Sam. Like I liked their relationship more. They go far After more that. into Heather and um and Sam. Or is it Sam? Heather and uh, Sarah. Yeah, they do. And because it's the same actresses, it made me understand the connection between Dina and Sam, even though it's kind of cheating uh, because the deepness is actually the two different people's relationship. But because it's the same actresses, it makes you a little bit more connected to where it's like, okay, that's why Dina put all this effort into saving Sam uh, in the first movie. Uh, yeah. So. I, I, I also feel like, um, like they, um, shit, kind of lost my train of thought there. Sorry. Uh, we're talking I about was the mostly gonna, stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you there. Yeah. I was thinking of something else while you were talking to. Okay. 
with trying to hold on, pay attention oh, to what bad. you were saying. But no, you're good. Okay. Me being absent minded. Um, um, that's the end of 1666, and then that's when we get part two, 1994, and we are back yes. in current times. Can you go over like their game plan uh, for yeah. exactly what they plan to do? Because it's really cool. I love the way they set this all up. But uh, so, take it away. so C. Berman. Um, well, I'll just call her Ziggy now. So you got Ziggy, Josh, Dina, Sam? Yeah. Yes. No, yeah, Sam. Um, and then they go basically pick up the other character, the one that last movie, he popping up in. Dude, he's the janitor at the mall. You see him in the police station a few times. Um, and Josh helped him out to get like some keys to the handcuffs or something earlier in a previous movie. Uh, but now they've gotten him because who else would want to get back at Officer Good than him? And then they join up for a plan to one, get to the mall so that they can get the hand, and then two, also have a final duel there. Just remember what I was about to say. Okay. So after we find out that it's the Good family that's cursing them, there technically shouldn't really be any effects that come from them bleeding on the Seraphir bones. So maybe that's why they were connected. They were just the whole time having a different connection to her while also being cursed by the good family. That's where my mind was. That's why okay. I got, got it lost. It was a, it was a deep complex thought that I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, what, what's his name? Martin? Martin, I believe, Martin. yeah. Okay, so my question in the first movie is just like, why does his character exist? And then it isn't into the third movie that it makes sense to me. Um, yeah. But because... his character is still pretty funny in the third oh, movie. Oh, no, no. I liked, his, I liked his character, but I was just always wondering, like, why do we have this comedic relief character uh, in this movie? But then it makes sense after we find out that good is bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Based on how, and that's kind of the, the theme that they good is bad. They write yeah. it everywhere and shit. The idea is the good families for generations have always needed to get someone to be the serial killer, and for the most part, to cover their tracks, they always try and get like some plausible person to take that hit. Kate and Simon were blamed because they are like known drug dealers. Um, and different shady siders have had, they just have the stigma of being from the poor side of town. I almost imagine with Martin, because he kept, good kept fucking with Martin by giving him bullshit. Things he like, didn't do, he was framing yeah, him. Yeah, he was framing him for multiple things, which makes me think he was grooming him for a future run as a serial killer, or a future uh. person to blame. Because yeah, it made no right. sense why he was picking on him other than the fact that he needed some new burnouts, basically, to take the fall for, like, the next set of violence that needs to happen. Like, I don't know how often he needs to pick a, a person, mm -hmm. but that that's the only thing I can think of other than just, like, pure racism on Good's part. Of like no, why that he makes was, a lot of sense. Like, why he was fucking with this guy so much um that, that makes a lot of sense i didn't even think of that honestly which makes me think that like because 
technically the person the the name he put on the wall in the first movie was already taken care of and killed but the curse was still happening so mm-hmm. i think that's why he wanted to keep martin in jail is because eventually he was going to need someone to take the fall but he didn't know that he was going to have simon and kate to take the fall that uh, makes sense so he was that, keeping that martin exact- in his back pocket yeah, that that even explains like why they show like the time when they choose to show that Martin's in um in custody and things like that because it is like when Officer Good is trying to figure out like yeah what the fuck is going on like I thought this curse yeah. was over exactly like he thought he was done for the decade or whatever so he was keeping Martin in his back pocket which is all the motivation Martin needs because Martin doesn't know any of this he just knows uh, which he has the best line is when they recruit him. They're like, hey, uh, we need your help killing Sheriff Good. And Martin is just like, I'll go get my coat. Uh, Like he's so down for it because Good has been fucking with him for no reason at all. And now he'll have like Martin will know like, oh, okay, this is why he's been fucking with me is because he was going to potentially frame me later. Other than just like good being racist, you know, like those are the two options yeah. that Martin had to go with. Uh, but one is more devious to where uh, I mean, they're both devious, but like one of them involves him being framed as a serial killer. Uh, so like it gives Martin like double, triple motivation for like, yeah, no, we are going to go kill this guy. Um, yep. Which I think though is- he doesn't fully take it seriously. Like he's like, yeah, I'm down for this. But same time, he's like. Oh, we for real about to kill this cop. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a weird thing, but it's still funny. Uh, just him just being yeah. like, yeah, let's go kill him. And then he's like, oh, so we're going to do this. It's like, dude, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so they're, 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 they're mall set up. They're doing the same thing that they did in the first movie where they just like are using the blood of Dino, who's now being hunted. Uh, but they have a really good plan. I love their plan. Uh, mm-hmm. for how they're going to do it. Uh, do you want to go through the plan? Yeah, so their plan was to bring them all in, like kind of lead them all there. Obviously, Officer Good would come, and correct me if I am get the plan wrong at any point. And basically, the plan is to then get the blood on Officer Good so that then they'll just have to murder him. Yes, and if he, if the the good that's doing the curse dies then this all ends yeah because it wasn't passed to nobody because it's uh, a movie that takes place in 94 it has to take place in the mall perfect Uh, and the (laughs) mall is very important Uh, there's a lot of neon paint for no reason really just aesthetics really (laughs) like yeah Uh, they kind of have the if you look at the if you search fear street on netflix pretty much every picture you see will have that kind of like neon theme and so Mm -hmm. they this is their first time really using it in the movie. Yeah. And they um, basically find a way to trap all of the like resurrected serial killers into different stores just so they can hold them until good gets there. And then they use super soakers to spray good uh, with blood or they drop a bucket of Dina's blood on him. And it, for the most part kind of works, but go on. They, they waste a lot of, of the blood initially shooting the um, the creatures because they mm-hmm. wanted to get them to fight each other. Which was a as great. like a distraction. Amazing idea. I love it. 
<laughs> they were just straight up brawling. I mean, the the actors that play the serial killers do a really good job. Like just the non-talking, um, I guess, stunt people. Yeah, because there's like six but, of them. Yeah. Yeah. Man, the creepiest one to me is that kid with the mask, and I feel like we, you get the least information on him. We only had seen brief glimpses of him in the first two movies and in the second one or in the third movie he gets maybe like five minutes of screen time but has the creepiest look yeah he just looks like something you see in twisted metal like he just has a twisted metal backstory and everything yeah which i would love to see this expanded upon just to get those time periods uh even though they'll be less climactic uh because we know like how everything is ends or the reason for everything but they could really do a lot with that but like uh, a 13 ghost type of deal. This basically leads to uh, me in a 20 minute fear that they're going to kill any of the characters that are left. Uh, Berman, yeah. Martin, Sam, Dina, Josh, just like constant fear that like, oh, no, they're going to kill them. And surprisingly, they get fucked up, but they all live. I was they really happy live. with that. Uh, uh, man, I thought for sure. Only person I thought would live is Dina, Sam, and Jillian Jacobs. Um, I thought Gillian, Ziggy. I thought Ziggy was going to be the only one to die. I was like, either everyone dies but Martin, because it would be funny, or <laughs> Ziggy and Martin are the only ones that die. Uh, I thought Sam... Well, I, actually, I, I thought Sam would die too. I, I figured Dina and Josh would be protected, but everyone else was totally expendable in terms of how horror movies work. Yep. I mean, shit, the cop, when they first get to the mall and the cops get called in for people breaking in, that's how we find out the villain or the the serial killers are here. They just come up and slit his throat. Yeah. <laughs> like, out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, damn, that cop didn't need to die. Yeah. <laughs> He's a... just doing his job. Yeah. Uh, though there was the, the one cop, I think that was the same cop that, like, they're, they're clearly holding water guns and he's like, drop your weapons. And he's like, freaking out. And it's like, they're clearly <laughs> holding water too. guns. And I'm just like, Oh, this is uncomfortable in 2020. <laughs> like, sir, this is a 1994 super soaker. I think that looks nothing like a yeah. real gun. Yeah. Um, but at that point, I guess they had graffitied and broke into the mall. So the cop was just like ready for anything. Yeah. And maybe they got acid in there or some shit. The cop doesn't want to get dosed. Yeah, um, we get the final battle between the the sheriff and Dina with Heather, who's still possessed at this point, interfering. Um, a lot of people survive off stabs to the stomach in this movie. Uh, Dina has been stabbed <laughs> yes, in the stomach like three times at this point. Um, She's finally starting to feel it in the third movie, though. It's, a little it's bit, yeah. <laughs> um, Heather, or not Heather, uh, uh, Sarah, uh, Sam, Jesus, too many names, too many of the same characters. Um, uh, Sam has probably got so much head trauma from how many times she's been knocked unconscious <laughs> in the she, matter of like she, two days. She got drowned to death. <laughs> uh, almost OD'd. Uh, she's been possessed. She's been possessed, was knocked out with a telephone while being possessed yep. then yep. knocked out with I, I forget how uh berman knocks her out when she's tied up in her bathroom but she knocks she her like, unconscious then yeah she used something like it was like a bat or something yeah 
And then at the end of the movie, Dina has to hit her head against a concrete floor, against a stone floor, to knock her unconscious Sam is again. Like, Sam is, like, comically abused in this movie. She Sam, didn't deserve any of this. Sam, I wouldn't be surprised if she woke up and was like, yeah, I'm still possessed. And you're like, no, but if you were still possessed, you wouldn't be talking. She's like, no, I'm still possessed. Because, like, the head trauma cannot be good for her. Uh, like, at she just, all. She's stuck in that, in that mode. Yeah. She can never leave. But we, we get our, our happy ending, basically, uh, where Good is killed. He's killed uh, in a very satisfying way, too. Mm-hmm. Gets his, like, eye stabbed in. Yeah. And then just is left in the, the catacombs with all the witchcraft stuff, uh, which the tunnels all lead to, like, good family homes. Like, basically, like, they end up coming out of the catacombs and they're like in the mayor's house pretty much i think oh yeah that was the mayor's house i thought it was officer good but that would explain it the mayor will be living better than officer good yeah and uh that basically just messes up the good family though we do see a news report that says like the mayor had no idea his brother was like a witch wizard serial killer person but basically all the murders get pinned on good so Simon and Kate's name are clear, which is happy. Um, yep. And then we just kind of, you know, just get a happy ending uh, overall. Yeah, you see uh, all the like gooey demonic shit sink back into the earth, and they turn to flies, right? Uh, some yeah, of the, some of the monsters. And the fire goes away, and like the rocks disappear. It's basically the devil like wiping his prints off everything. <laughs> 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 You didn't see anything. Like, oh, <laughs> this is over? Clean, 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 clean. Ah, I was never here. Clean, 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 clean. Wow, that was a fun four centuries. It gets back to hell. Guess I gotta <laughs> wait for someone else that wants to be the mayor of a suburb. Yeah, they do show. That's kind of one thing they do is at the end of the movie, the very end, they show that the book, after all the other shit leaves, the book is still there and somebody picks it up. Yeah, uh, which is... What, what I don't know who would have picked that up. Yeah, was, no idea. Yeah, no idea. Confused. I was almost disappointed that they did that uh, because I really like this as a trilogy. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, if they want to continue and if they get the same writers and director, I am perfectly fine with seeing what they do with it. So, uh, what did you think overall of I'm the Fear Street stick, trilogy? I'm gonna stick to a five. I yeah. think it's very hard for them to do three different style of horror movies and connect them mm-hmm. and make them all that good. Yeah, no, uh completely agree. Like I'm going to I'm going to go with a 4.5. I I do think there was like little issues here and there, but it was yeah. so good uh that I I it, it would be it's just me like nitpicking uh with my little like jokes here and there that I've, I had with the last two <laughs> movies. Um, but it's really good. I, I really think this movie benefited from being shot back to back and having each movie released just a week apart. Uh, because sometimes when we get like trilogies that are pre-announced, uh, in terms of like, Hey, we'll release this movie this year. And then next year we'll release another one. I feel like that year between a movie release, uh, or like a sequel release can lead to so many different things of like the studio reacting to criticisms of the first movie or trying to add different elements to try and improve 
uh, of the first movie or just react to the way fans uh, react to it. Um, if that makes any sense. I, I yeah, said that reacted too much. And this one, we got one vision uh, for how this trilogy will work. And there was no, there wasn't enough downtime for anyone to react to any criticisms between movies. Yeah, it, it was like, I mean, I guess because I watched them all in a week, but I did take that like day off in between to kind of simulate the waiting of mm-hmm. it. And it, it did. It left me wanting. Like I finished each movie, well, the first two movies, and I was like, man, I really just kind of want to see where this goes. And yeah. that anticipation can be a downfall. Like if 1666 didn't show up, like it it probably would have ruined the whole experience almost. Um, yeah. But yeah, even with all the little nitpicky things, like, like I said, I took, I watched that one and it was kind of, I took it like I did with Man of Steel, which I think is not a great movie, but I try to take it in the regard of like, it's supernatural shit happening and it's fictional. So I'm going to try and just be like, all right, I'm taking this. But if I have major questions, I'm going to bring them up. And all of mine for the 1666 were just that beginning instance of like, but why? (laughs) And then I was like, yep, I don't want this answer. I'm just going to go with it. (laughs) It just stayed in. Yeah, I I feel like they were helped so much by just being able to just make... It feels like they made one movie that they just happened to cut into three parts. As opposed to so many times where we'll see a movie... And then the sequel feels completely different because it was, you know, uh, focus group to hell. Uh, or, you know, they're like, oh, people really like this one character. Let's make this character the vocal point of the next movie. Uh, it was pretty Insert consistent. the whole Star Wars sequel trilogy. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. we've seen it too many times, you know, to where... Uh, you know, there was no Jar Jar Binks uh, in this movie or there wasn't anything, you know, they weren't like, oh, you know what? People really like this specific scene. So let's recreate this scene again. Like, I feel uh-huh. like they didn't tread and rehash too many like specific moments because they didn't need to because they made it all in one go and there was yeah. no time between. Quite honestly, the worst parts were the recap at the beginning of each movie. I'm like, which, I just saw this shit. I don't need a recap. Which I'm glad there was a skip button because I skipped yeah. it every time. And then when there was a trailer between uh, the trailer at the end, I, I just stopped I turned watching. it off. Yep. I was just like, cool, I don't need this. And I, I, I'm, I guess it's good that it's there, but they were only a week apart. So it's like, this is so unnecessary. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like and to think if I went to theater, I would have hated to a month apart or not. I would have hated to see that recap at the beginning and the coming soon at the end. I think the only trilogy that did that was the Back to the Future movies, I believe. Oh, they did do that. I forgot about that. Yeah, um, uh, because they some networks like we were too young to have seen Back to the Future in theaters, but when you would watch it on TV, sometimes they would have the trailer still attached to it. Um, I believe uh, they were still like nice. built into the movie, if I'm not mistaken. So like that's yeah. the only. But I would have been so annoyed uh, if if this was a theater experience and I had to see that recap or that trailer, uh, you know, between or at the beginning and uh, at the end of a movie. Uh, but 
so well done. I was so happy with this. This is going to go down as like one of my favorite like things Netflix has done. Uh, yeah, it definitely shoots to the top. Yeah, I don't uh, know if it's the very top per my score. It should be, but I don't. I don't know if I can handle all the Netflix things I've seen right now. But this is something. If someone's like, "Hey, what's a good like horror movie or set of movies to watch?" Like, I have no problem being like Fear Street. Like, you yeah, should I recommend watch it. this. It's so good. Uh, and as much as I don't want to see more Fear Street because I thought this was too good, why water it down? I will give anything a shot from like this director uh, and uh, this series if they want to keep it going. I want more Fear Street, but I don't want more of this story. Though I am intrigued by the the serial killers that yeah. you know you missed that opportunity. I can I don't need more. Yeah, like as much as like the creepy kid one is interesting. I don't know if I need to see a whole movie with it. I don't um, even need a 50 minute short of it. Yeah. I would only accept like if it was like a really, really short thing, but it would almost be perfect. Like if this was on uh blu-ray as a collection, as a, like a yep. extra feature featurette of mm-hmm. this, like here, this like Ruby lane is an interesting serial killer. I don't need a whole movie with her, but if you can give me like a 10 or 15 minute featurette on that character, yeah. I would, I would watch that. Uh, but I don't know if I would sit through a whole two hour movie. That could have been a really good, especially since they had like a year mm-hmm. um, to release it. That would have been a good like promo on like YouTube or something to keep people engaged and be like, Whoa, what the fuck is coming up? They could have done a meet the killers of the Fear Street yeah. trilogy. Uh, that would have been interesting uh, to do. I would wonder if there's like a director's cut that does include more of those serial killers. And I would very much like to see that. Uh, probably cause... release a DVD set of this or Blu-ray set of this around the holidays or something. Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope so. Netflix is pretty weird with that stuff, but like I can see this going like th- I, I really like this. So I would definitely be interested in, doing that this is a a set of movies that i would buy the physical copy of them i don't buy physical copies of a lot of the things but i like this enough that like i probably would want to like own it like I'll, i will rewatch these movies probably in a couple yeah. months uh, i'm for sure rewatching them probably in october when i do my horror movie binge yeah we got to talk about that we got to do just a, a, a horror movie october uh i'm and, always down for spooky movies yeah, they are my I, favorite. I do it anyway, so I might as well talk about those movies on the podcast. Those are my bedtime movies. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, baby. That's going to do it for this episode. Next week, we will be covering Suicide Squad. Uh, I know you're not super excited for Suicide Squad. Uh, I'm, I'm excited enough. Like, I, I'll live. I think there's like I said, like, I don't like Man of Steel, but I even show patience with that movie. And I don't very much talk bad about it. So yeah. I, I can go in open-minded. I think you're going in with like low enough expectations that it could, it might be able to like end up serving the movie well that you're going in with kind of like, eh, whatever yeah. <laughs> sort of vibe. If they can keep it under two and a half hours, that would be preferred. But I also won't, you know, bitch about that either. Yeah. Um, but that is going to do it for uh, this week. Chad, if you can send us home. Yep. Um, as you all know, the chat loves you and all that you are. Keep on keeping on. Uh, you should be watching Rubber. And I want to go out on this note, actually. 
while Fear Street has shown us that filming a film back to back to back can be quite beneficial and might even be better for the artistic direction of the movie, I still don't forgive you, James Cameron. I need to see Avatar, and you're on my shit list still until those movies release. Um, not because you're a bad director, obviously, but because you created something so good and then just left it for like a decade. And, you know, I'm pretty upset about that. And I would need to constantly remind you and the fans out there. My favorite part when directors are using a bunch of technology and taking forever is by the time it comes out, the technology is aged by like seven years. <laughs> so I'm looking forward uh, well, I hate the Avatar movie, but it doesn't matter to me if it releases or it doesn't. So just release it for Chad. Just just get this yeah, over just, with. Just get it over with. Like, oh my goodness, what is, what is he? What do you expect? A perfect movie? Who do you think you From are? Avatar in game? <laughs> he hates Marvel movies, but let's yeah. be real. Infinity War and Endgame were the shit. Yeah. So my expectations are even higher. And it's like Avatar wasn't a a good or great movie or, in my opinion, a good movie. So <laughs> don't stress too much to make it a perfect movie because it's not going to happen because your foundation is already, like, not great. Like, just, just get it over with. Yeah. Like, I really kind of wanted it all to be done in one movie, but we would have been there for, like, a million hours. So, And if there's one director that would totally expect the audience to sit there forever it's james cameron <laughs> yep but all right that's all the bitching i've got for this week since there is not an avatar two or three you know make sure you go watch rubber and you know again chat loves you and all that you are see you next week